Welcome to Healthy Planet, Healthy You with Jimena Yanez and Lorenzo Rosenzweig. Over the next hour, you'll discover unique ideas and perspectives about how to improve your health and the planet as well. Now, here are your hosts, Jimena and Lorenzo. Welcome, hello, and bienvenidos. Happy Wednesday. Thank you for tuning in to Healthy Planet, Healthy You. I'm so excited to be here with you. My name is Jimena Yanez. I am an author, a health coach, and a Reiki and biomagnetism therapist. I am the mom of two, and in an effort to change the environmental trends for theirs and future generations, I teach people how to transition to a more sustainable and healthy plant-based diet. Lorenzo won't be able to join us today, so I'd like to welcome and thanks Jennifer Gooden for joining us for this episode. Welcome, Jennifer, and thanks for joining us today. Thanks for the invitation. Um, so welcome. I'm Jennifer Gooden. I work in conservation and sustainability. Uh, and in the past, I've worked in uh, urban sustainability and as vice president of a food bank in Oklahoma, which will be relevant to our conversation today. Um, and my education and training is in biodiversity, conservation, and social science with a focus on private land conservation, um, rewilding, and land restoration. So how are you? How are you doing today, Amanda? <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, I'm, I'm doing great. Um, I have to tell you that I was visiting New Year, York last week, and the smoke from the fires was really scary. But what amazes me is just this is a beautiful planet. Two days after what felt like an apocalyptic scene from a sci-fi movie, the sky was blue again and the air was breathable. Of course, these emissions are still up there somewhere in the atmosphere, but it was just incredible to see the changes in so, such a short time. What is good and new for you today, Jennifer? Oh, well, the exciting thing in my life is that I got my first pet this last weekend. So I have oh, a new kitten nice. around my house. She was a rescue <laughs> from a shelter who had a broken leg when she was little. So we're Ooh. nursing her back to health. She's a, she's a little bundle of energy. <laughs> I'm glad to hear that. <laughs> Uh, so every week, uh, Lorenzo and Jimena engage in conversations to help our listeners understand what's going on. And there's a lot of conflicting information out there on social media and other sources. And so the purpose of this podcast is to help listeners exercise the right to decide for yourself. And we encourage you to explore these issues further later on your own. Yeah. So allow us to tell you the story of how we got into this environmental and health crisis What are the odds if we fail to act during the next years? And what are the things you can do for your personal benefit and at the same time to support worldwide efforts for a healthy planet? In the last episode, we talked about human health and then what you put in on and around your body is crucial in defining your health and well-being. Today, we will talk about food loss and waste as we want to keep building up the knowledge for you to make informed decisions. We will have Yolanda Cacabatze with us today. Yolanda is a former Minister of the Environment for Ecuador, one of the top mega biodiverse countries in the world. Great, so let's start by talking about what food loss and food waste is. So food loss and food waste occur along the entire spectrum from farms to processing facilities to distribution, retailers, and then ultimately to every one of us in our homes and restaurants. So on that way from farm to fork, food can be lost or wasted at every step of the journey. That might be from mold, pests, 
Uh, it could be from leaks, something as um, as minor as an inadequate standardized shape of uh, of a piece of fruit, size or color. Um, but sometimes it's also about climate control, cooking, or even intentional waste. So this waste gets categorized differently based on where it occurs. What we call food loss occurs before it reaches the consumer. So that might take place on a farm or throughout the supply chain. And that would be due to, say, suboptimal farming methods, poor storage, inflexible distribution or buying practices. Um, sometimes it's something as simple as a food container not being strong enough to hold its contents and therefore leaking. Um, so that's food loss. And then the um, food waste, the second category, refers to food that is totally fit for consumption, but it is discarded at the retail or consumption phases. And that could be at restaurants, in shops, or at home. And some of the reasons for that might be confusing labeling, could be portion sizes, or just not eating all the food before it goes bad. Yeah. Yeah. And here are some interesting facts. One, on a global scale, 1.3 billion tons of food in good condition is thrown away. And if we peel up this amount of food, it could go around the world 16 times. Two, an estimated 13% of the world's food is lost after harvesting and before reaching retail markets. And three, an estimated 17% of total food available to consumers is wasted at retail, food service, or household levels. Yeah, so if you add all this up, that means a whopping 30% of all food goes uneaten. Um, that's a huge amount of food. And of that, almost all of it, estimates are at 95% of that ends up in landfills. Um, so it's the largest component of municipal solid waste. And you know, to make matters worse, whenever food waste enters into a landfill, that food decomposes and releases greenhouse gases, um, specifically methane, which is a very potent greenhouse gas, and contributes somewhere between 8% and 10% of all global emissions. So worldwide, one-third of food produced uh, is thrown away uneaten, which is a great burden on the environment. Um, this reminds me of a conversation we had last week, Helena. I, uh, was, uh, I was complaining about how quickly cilantro goes bad, um, and I had tried several different methods for keeping it um, good on in my refrigerator. And you shared with me your brilliant technique, washing it, drying it well and packaging it away without air. And I have to report back to you, my cilantro was doing very well in my refrigerator now. <laughs> I'm glad to hear that. <laughs> Great. <laughs> so uh, in, in developing countries, a larger proportion of the food going uneaten happens in the first part of that supply chain through food loss. Whereas in the developed world, food waste is a bigger problem. But Food is lost and wasted everywhere, and we need improvements all across food systems to minimize the impacts on nature and ensure that what we produce actually reaches and feeds people all around the world. Yeah, people, uh, food insecurity, hunger, and malnutrition are impacting every country in the world. 840 million people suffer hunger. Two billion people suffer micronutrient deficiencies like vitamins and minerals. Uh, millions of kids suffer deadly forms of undernutrition and close to 7 billion people eat low-quality diets. So more than 800 million people in the world go hungry every day. Yet, every day we throw away perfectly edible food. On one hand, we're facing food waste and loss, and on the other, we're challenged by unfair hunger around the world. If we distributed only one quarter of all that the food that is lost on waste, we could end hunger on the planet. 
And the problem is not just that people are hungry, but it also means we're needlessly wasting our limited natural resources. Food production and consumption, this means how we produce and consume the food, is the biggest threat to our planet today. And putting on my food bank hat, I think this, this issue of um, lack of food and excess food is, is such a pervasive theme throughout our food system. You know, the food, we, we have sufficient food in the world um, and it's just not getting distributed to the right places. That happens at a macro scale such that in developing countries, problems of insufficient food really dominate, whereas in developed countries, at least on the health side of things, many of our modern diseases are caused by food excess, um, whether excess volume or excess processing. Um, but then it also happens at a micro scale in our communities, as, as you just discussed. Um, so food loss and waste are highlighted as a global problem that has vast economic, environmental, and social impact. And globally, the goal of reducing food waste has been, has been cited as a key initiative in a sustainable future. And the UN has incorporated it into its sustainable development goals. So um, as we discussed on the podcast before, these goals are 17 related objectives that are designed to serve as a shared blueprint for peace and prosperity for people on the planet now and in the future. So the goals are an urgent call to action by all countries in a global partnership. And related to our conversation today, Sustainable Development Goal 12 is labeled Responsible Consumption and Production. And that specifically um, is where we would consider the problem of global food loss and, and food waste. So the goal is ensuring sustainable consumption and production patterns. And these are key to sustaining livelihoods of our current generation and our future generations. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And if, as we've seen in previous episodes, everything starts with the soil. And this problem is no exception. Food production uses about 40% of global land, consumes 70% of fresh water, contributes to 30% of global greenhouse gas emissions, is the largest factor threatening species into extinction, and causes eutrophication and dead zones in lakes and coastal areas. Unsustainable patterns of production and consumption are the root causes of a triple planetary crisis, which includes one, climate change, two, biodiversity loss, and three, pollution. So these crises threaten um, human health and well-being as they increase the risks of human mortality, morbidity, conflict, and food insecurity. Interestingly, Conventional agriculture is simultaneously a driver of global environmental dilemmas and also a victim of shifting environmental conditions. And this all means that our current global agricultural and food systems are not sustainable. We need to rethink the way we produce food and the way we eat the food. Yeah, I think that's a really important point. And, um, you know, compounding that, the world's population is growing rapidly. It's estimated to be at 10 billion people by 2050. Mm -hmm. So uh, achieving a healthy and a sustainable food future is a really urgent matter that is going to require collective global efforts. Um, to connect those dots between sustainability and food production and consumption, um, you know, the, the most frequently quoted definition of sustainability is that from the Brundtland Commission, sustainable development, development meets the needs of the present without compromising the ability of future generations to meet their own needs. So that means meeting our needs for, of society today 
and protecting the physical basis of our long-term survival, which is our environment, and protecting the rights of future generations. So we can't have a secure food production supply and demand unless it's sustainable. So transitioning to a sustainable food system that delivers healthy diets for this growing population is a challenge that's really unprecedented. And we need to make sure that this growing population all has enough high quality, nutritious food. Uh, and addressing food loss and food waste is the low hanging fruit, so to speak. Yeah. <laughs> so according to the Food and Agriculture Agriculture Organization of the United Nations, FAO, sustainable diets have low environmental impacts that contribute to food and nutrition security and to healthy life for present and future generations. So these diets are protective and respectful of biodiversity and ecosystems. They are culturally acceptable, they are accessible, they are economically fair, affordable, nutritionally adequate, safe, and healthy, while optimizing natural and human resources. Uh, compared with what we eat today, a shift to sustainable diets will require a, a decrease of around 50% in global consumption of foods, such as red meats and sugar, while doubling the consumptions of fruits, uh, nuts, vegetables, legumes. So it's important to note that countries like the U.S. consume almost 6.5 times the recommended amount of red meat, while other countries eat only half the recommended amount. Globally, as nations have urbanized and incomes have increased, traditional diets, which are typically higher in quality plant-based foods, have transitioned to the Western-style diet, best known as standard American diet or SAD. <laughs> so these diets are high in calories and abundant in processed foods like refined carbohydrates, added sugars, added sodium, and of course, unhealthy fats. They're also well known for including excessive amounts of animal products. Yes, yeah, so that standard American diet is, is damaging us from every angle. It has a negative impact on human health and it's already driving climate change biodiversity loss, pollution, dramatic changes in land and water use. Um, that whole industrial food system impacts the climate and it puts a huge amount of pressure on our natural resources. Um, that con conventional agriculture is a ma major contributor to problems that you know, first come to mind when we think about environmental problems like deforestation, extinction, depletion of soils and depletion of fresh water, um, pollution and contamination. Yeah, and what we eat is undoubtedly related to human health and environmental sustainability. And because of that link, our diets have the potential to nurture both. It's true that increased food production over the past 50 years has helped improve life. Um, it, it has improved life expectancy, reduced hunger, um, reduced infant and child mortality rates, and reduced global poverty. However, such benefits are now being offset by the shift towards unhealthy diets and the increased pressure on the environment. Sure, and uh, despite substantial scientific evidence linking the quality of our diets with human health and environmental sustainability, um, we just don't have sufficient um, energy working on connecting those two up. Um, you know, an agricultural system that starts with healthy soils would reduce greenhouse gas emissions and it would reduce the pressures on biodiversity and our soil and our water resources. 
And it's evident um, by this that this transition, especially with a global population, as we as we mentioned, lined up to reach 10 billion people by 2050. This is an exceptional challenge, but it may be achievable through three major global actions. The first is um, reduction of food loss and waste. The second is improvements in food production, distribution, and consumption practices. And the third is a shift toward plant-based diets. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you're wondering why food loss and food waste is a key player in this transition, you know, it's because the reduction in food loss and waste can improve food security and nutrition. And that can also reduce greenhouse gas emissions and lower pressure on land and water resources. And all of these contribute to improved productivity and economic growth. Um, of course, we still need effective policies to make this happen to really to achieve food loss and waste reduction. Um, the most important thing that we need to know is to understand how much and where, both geographically and along the supply chain, so how much and where foods are lost or wasted. And that measurement currently, we are, we are in need of it being institutionalized across all food systems. Currently, there are a few distributors, farmers, businesses, or consumers who understand exactly how much they're throwing away or its impact. Yeah. And with a better understanding of what is being lost and waste and why, the right solutions can be implemented. Farms and businesses can make alliances or investments in their operations. And we, the consumers, can start talking, taking mindful action. Of course, some laws and regulations might need to be implemented to either incentivize the reduction of food loss and waste and or to find those who are throwing away good food. Governments could incorporate food waste prevention and education campaigns as well as implement composting programs. They could also provide tax credits to farmers who donate excess produce to local food banks, for example. These things are starting to become a reality and proposed bills are currently in place in some states like California, Arizona, Oregon, and of course, Colorado. (laughs) The most effective solutions will will involve global collaboration and the design of food systems that work for everyone. So as we've said, reducing food loss and waste would improve agriculture and food systems and help move us toward food security, food safety, and food quality, and all this while delivering nutritional outcomes. I think we should Note that there will always be some expected loss and waste. Um, We will have pests. There will be extreme weather diseases. There will be changes in market supply and demand. um, And not all parts of food are edible. Um, And in fact, interpretation of what is edible actually varies by country. So foods that get thrown away or parts of foods that get thrown away in one country might be considered delicacies in another. Um, Absolutely, yes. Yes. I think the big theme here is just to keep food out of the landfill. Food does not belong in a landfill. And we need to avoid the release of additional emissions, redirect edible food to the hungry, and use scraps for animal food or composting. Yeah. Yeah. So we're approaching our first break. When we come back, we will have Yolanda Cacabatze, a conservation leader and expert in many topics, among them food loss and waste and international governance. So... Uh, See you after the break. Follow Voice America at Facebook.com forward slash Voice America for juicy updates from your favorite radio shows and podcasts. 
Do you want to have control over your eating decisions, your life, and your and your family's health? Do you wish to take action that benefits the planet, humanity, and generations to come? Healthy Planet, Healthy You offers a unique opportunity to increase the public's awareness of vital environmental and health issues while sharing easy-to-apply habits that can change the world. A book you cannot miss. Find it on Amazon. Voice America programs are now available on your favorite connected device, including Amazon, Alexa, and Google Home. Through streams with Apple Podcasts, TuneIn, and iHeartRadio, listening to your favorite show is as easy as saying the show name followed by the word podcast. Hey, Alexa, play Finding Your Frequency podcast. If that doesn't work, try adding on TuneIn or on iHeartRadio or on Apple Podcasts. Functional Medicine with Dr. Robbins looks at how natural healing and biological dentistry can safely and effectively treat most health problems. You'll hear about the innovations in both traditional and alternative medicine therapies with doctors and dentists, along with discussions with chiropractors, medical experts, homeopaths, naturopaths, and energetic healers. It's great to have all the best information in one place. And Functional Medicine with Dr. Robbins brings it all together. Listen Thursdays at noon Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific, on Voice America Health & Wellness. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. Welcome back to Healthy Planet, Healthy You with Jimena Yanez and Lorenzo Rosenzweig. Have a question for Jimena and Lorenzo or their guests? Join us on the show at 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. Now back to the show. Welcome back. (laughs) This episode, it's all about food waste. Food waste and loss. We have Yolanda Cacabatso with us today. Yolanda is an Ecuadorian citizen. She was Minister of the Environment for Ecuador, former president of the World Conservation Union uh, from 1996 to 2004, and former president of WWF International from 2010 to 2017. She was also the first executive director of Fundación Natura in Ecuador, And in 1993, she founded Fundación Futuro Latinoamericano. Yolanda is a member of the board of several national and international organizations of civil society and the private sector. Lorenzo told me he had the pleasure to join her and other conservation experts on an exploration trip to the insular Caribbean last March and one of the many interesting topics on board the Hans Explorer with Christine and Sven Lindblad as their hosts uh, was food waste and loss. Well, that sounds like it must have been a very fun trip. I thank yeah. <laughs> you for getting to do that one. Welcome, Yolanda. We are very privileged to have you here with us today. Thanks for joining us. Thank you. Thank you, Jennifer and Jimena. I love this conversation. I love the theme, but also I loved hearing you talking about food loss and waste. <laughs> thank you, Yolanda. So, we're going to ask you some questions, and we always start with this one. I think it's very, uh, it gives a lot of light to everyone that's listening. Can you share with us the event or incident that made you interested in the betterment of the planet and the environment? Well, it goes a long way back, Jimena. Um, my parents invested lots of time 
in providing for opportunities to, to get to know Ecuador, not only nature, but also the cultures that we have in, in Ecuador that are of enormous value. And of course, the natural wonders. But they also insisted in understanding that several processes were harming our ecosystems. There was deforestation, there was pollution of rivers, degradation of agricultural land, um, air pollution in urban spaces, and much more than that. Yeah. So um, interesting. So your parents already noticed that, that we were Absolutely. damaging the environment? Wow. Yeah, 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 yeah. And in my lifetime, when I was about, um, I would say, 15 onwards, we continue to see a deterioration of ecosystems. Wow. The, the deeper we went into forests or um, faraway lands, the, the more we noticed that something was wrong. At that time, I didn't understand anything about environment or ecology, but I knew that we needed to do something. Mm -hmm. So you started out with this very intuitive sense that things were changing and not in a good direction. Um, and as your career has shown, you've developed this, you know, you're perfectly poised with a very sophisticated understanding of all of how all of this happens globally. How can how can we as um, as regular everyday people assess and understand the true costs of uh, the true cost and the true impact of food loss and food waste at a global scale? Yep. Do you have any thoughts on that? I I suspect you. You can imagine that I didn't know anything about environment. Having studied uh, education and psychology, I had no basis for understanding the complexity of um, ecosystems and, and degradation. But I started working on, uh, uh, on, on food loss and waste because I felt that other topics like climate crisis and biodiversity and the ozone layer and, and gases, it's so difficult for normal people to understand. Mm -hmm. And suddenly I found that this agenda, food loss and waste, because all of us eat, we know like, we can understand easily the impact of food loss and waste and without having to explain a lot. Everybody gets it, men and women, old and young, urban and rural, and it doesn't matter where in which part of the world they are. Yeah, and um, how can we, uh, you said that you like this topic because the people, the regular people, we eat, so it's easy for us to understand. So how can we assess and understand the true cost and impact of food loss and waste in a global. How can we like realize the the, the problem? The, us, the people, the regular. You know, having having some numbers is important. If you understand that tonight doesn't matter where you are in which continent or country. Tonight, eight hundred million people will go to bed, as Jennifer said, um, without any food. And then it touches your emotional feelings. You start thinking about justice. You start thinking about equity and care. And, and you understand if, if you don't have it around that there is a lot of poverty 
expressed in different ways. And one of those ways uh, is, is lack of food. Um, and, and very often food might be there, but it's not good food. It's not nutritional and it's not um, dedicated for different ages that need to have different kinds of food. So you, you, this is a topic that raises not only technical issues, and political issues, but also human understanding of what justice is about. Yeah, um, I, so I want to take this to a really get a practical level. Um, we talked a bit about uh, in our first segment about food labeling, and I think food la- labeling is a tricky thing, right? The, the, the label looks like it has a lot of information for us, and yet sometimes it can be very misleading and its main purpose is really marketing and not really communicating the information we need to eat in a healthy way and, um, and to not waste food. Could you elaborate a little bit about on your thoughts about labeling and how we can use labels to make better decisions? You are right, uh, Jennifer, in speaking about labeling is appearing to have lots of information. And really what it has is the information of throwing it away. Yeah. It doesn't mm. tell you to, to smell. It doesn't tell you to taste. It doesn't tell you to touch the food. All it tells you is today is Tuesday. Mm, throw it away because tomorrow it won't be good. And that is, in terms of public policy, it's one of the most damaging policies that we need to fight against because we need to recover the capacity of the individual of feeling the food and that means smelling, tasting, touching. Uh, because, of course, when a fish is bad, you know it immediately. When meat is bad, you know it immediately. The smell takes you away. Sometimes a cheese that is overdue, the, the, the date of expiration, it's my, much nicer than before. Uh, so we should be like able cheese. to... <laughs> like cheese. We, we should be able to contribute to a process of managing food, not only by reading a label, but by understanding more that food that has expired according to that label is perfectly eatable. So uh, that is one of the, the, the topics that we need to address because farmers, of course, want the food to rotate. They are interested in the economic value of the, of the market. They are not interested if the consumer is is um, being more responsible in watching um, how much do we buy every week, how much is wasted. What can we do? Today, you probably both, Jimena and Jennifer, have seen books of recipes of what can you do with food that is deteriorated. It's not bad. For mm-hmm. example, a soft tomato, you can yeah. have a, a salad with a fresh tomato and you can have a super tomato sauce when it's getting too soft, but mm-hmm. it, it, you don't throw it away. And, yeah. and most labels lead the consumer to throw the food away, which is, which is terrible. It, it, as I say, in terms of behavior of uh, humans against this planet is, is throwing food. Yeah, That's right. It's interesting to to know also that the labeling only comes with processed foods. 
Like a tomato won't have a label. You would know when a tomato is good to eat or when you have to throw it or compost it or use it uh, for, a, for a sauce or a soup, right? But it's oh, interesting right. to, to notice that too. So regarding the, this UN Sustainable Development Goal, specifically the number 12, which refers to responsible consumption and production, uh, it's, in the, it's, it's one of the sustainable development goals, and we should be working towards it, right? <laughs> and <laughs> right. actually, we're not seeing like, a lot of doing. <laughs> so what, in your understanding, are the issues holding back governments and industries and also corporations to take action, to do something for, for yeah. uh, responsible consumption and production? I, I feel, Jimena, that there are two elements in, in, in the response I want to give you. One is that information, the lack of understanding of what are we doing to the planet when we throw away food. Um, one of the best ways to describe that is that landfills, which were built to accommodate garbage, is dealing with food waste that is taken to the landfills and they are getting full much earlier than what was expected. So we don't know what happens to that food that goes to the landfill. And the reality is that what is happening with this food in the landfills is they are emitting gases, gases that contribute to the enormous threat of, uh, of climate. It's very difficult for me, at least, to understand what is a ton of carbon. But I can easily understand how, that, that the food we throw away is, is sending up to the atmosphere some gases that make these threats even much bigger. So that is one of the parts. But there is also greed. And, and we don't have to forget that. The market is... Is, is focused on, on making good business and the, the higher returns, the better. And, and that is wrong because uh, the producers who don't care about the final use of the product, at least not all of them, some of them are understanding that and are joining this battle against uh, food loss and waste. But the producer in general is, is not interested in understanding where the food goes and how much do we throw away? We even go into the market and we immediately, the first side we have is food that is offered at the lower price. Buy two cases of this for the price of one. Buy more grapes or tomatoes or lettuces for the price of what? Get three and you only pay whatever. So these market forces behind the food business are terribly destructive, um, destroying the planet. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It's because it's all about the money, not, <laughs> not, the, the, money. not the last step of the a, of a chain, right? They don't I care about so. that step. They, they, they care about yeah. the, the money they receive. Yeah, I see some companies, for example, Walmart or Unilever, working hard on reducing food loss and waste on uh, sharing information with the consumer to be more responsible with the planet and giving, um, giving data that would help the consumer in being more responsible. But that is uh, not everywhere in the world and not all companies in the world. 
from the from the consumer side, what do you think the biggest barriers are? You mentioned that we're we're faced with flashy marketing, advertising, and sales when we walk into the store. Do you think that's the the biggest problem with food waste, or are there other issues going on too? Well, we are always driven by costs. So when we see get two for the price of one, we immediately see whether I can be one of the buyers. But I again, I think I think that in the consumer as well as in the producer, the main driver is ignorance. If you get information, you immediately see people taking action. Uh, when they understand that the product that uh, doesn't have the expected shape, poor carrot that is thrown away because it's not nice and perfect. It's ugly. Uh, that, <laughs> yeah, that poor carrot should be eaten and should not be thrown away just because it's crooked. Mm-hmm. But in the same thing with any other vegetable or or whatever. But we have we have a. a I think an important challenge in addressing this uh, the gap of inf- of information because we don't um, we are not dealing with a problem in sharing information. We think that it's magic that is going to happen someday, and and, and that's not correct. We we need to inform better to reach the the consumer. And to have the consumer be a, a message carrier, the consumer can deal with a family, with the friends, with the neighbors, with the village or town where they live in. And, and that makes a tremendous difference because they don't need to be very sophisticated in the knowledge of science. They just need to understand that we as individuals are contributing to um, to a, a, the growth of, of threats against human life and and nature, and, and that shouldn't be. Yeah. So we're approaching to the next break, but we always love to ask our guests the next question, the following question: What gives you hope? What makes you hopeful? <laughs> <laughs> yes, I I love I love that question because I see wonderful things. I usually don't pay a lot of attention to bad news, but I love good news and I yeah. see for example the creation of uh, a, of uh, restaurants that sell a menu made with ugly food that have responsible menus. I see shops that sell um, lots of food and saying, pay what you can and make it available for people who have less uh, financial resources. I see lots of uh, uh, food banks being created all over the world. And these food banks are getting more and more sophisticated in distributing the right food for orphanages and, and small children, right food for um, elderly people who don't have as many resources as we have. And, and the distribution of these food markets to the needy ones, to the people who really uh, are depending on this food is growing all over the world. So yeah. I, I think those initiatives are just fantastic. Yeah, well, that, that was just beautiful. It's time to go for us to go to the next break. When we return, we will talk about the things you can do and how to take action now so your everyday choices will lead you to optimal health and also align with global environmental efforts. Thank you, Yolanda. 
Stay tuned. Thank you. Voice America is on LinkedIn. Connect with us today. Do you want to have control over your eating decisions, your life, and your and your family's health? Do you wish to take action that benefits the planet, humanity, and generations to come? Healthy Planet, Healthy You offers a unique opportunity to increase the public's awareness of vital environmental and health issues while sharing easy-to-apply habits that can change the world. A book you cannot miss. Find it on Amazon. Have you become a member yet? Sign up now to become a member of Voice America. It's always free and easy. Plus, you get to take advantage of some great member benefits. Get unlimited access to millions of hours of on-demand content across all of our channels. Keep track of your favorite episodes, shows, and hosts in your own customizable library. Find out what shows you might be interested in based on your favorites. Plus, you get insider access with our newsletter. Membership gives you more. Sign up at voiceamerica.com and click register at the top right. Our children deserve to be emotionally healthy as they grow through youth into adulthood. As adults, if we model these behaviors for our children and incorporate them into our own daily lives, imagine the synergy we can create. We have become accustomed to waiting for symptoms before we seek help, both emotionally and physically. It's time to change our way of thinking from reactive to proactive. Let's learn what we need to now so kids growing up have skills and strategies to use for life in this very challenging world. Tune into Taking the Helm with host Lynn McLaughlin to learn all you need to know. Wednesdays at 7 a.m. Pacific on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. Welcome back to Healthy Planet, Healthy You with Jimena Yanez and Lorenzo Rosenzweig. Have a question for Jimena and Lorenzo or their guests? Join us on the show at 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. Now back to the show. Welcome back. If you're tuning in, we have been talking about food loss and waste. And before the break, we had Yolanda Cacavatset with us. Uh, she shared that what is holding government industries and businesses and us to take action toward reducing waste for the benefit of humanity and the planet. And she also talked about uh, what we need to do to bring change and uh, positive change for the benefit of humanity and the planet also. And for those who are just joining us, um, I'm Jennifer Gooden, uh, in for Lorenzo Rosenzweig. In our first segment, we shared some numbers and facts um, to help explain why food loss and food waste is not only a social problem, but has also become a health and environmental dilemma as well. So to put that in perspective, if all wasted food came from one country, it would be the third largest producer of greenhouse gases in the world after the U.S. and China. Uh, so addressing food loss and waste is therefore key to reversing climate change and global hunger and achieve, achieving the UN Sustainable Development Goals for the benefit of the planet and for our own generation and for future generations. 
Yeah, Yolanda, Yolanda also talked about food labels. Um, when read correctly, this information can stop you from throwing out good food. They marking on food labels lets you know uh, for how long a product is safe to eat. This is important to avoid getting sick, sick from expired foods. However, it is true that it's very confusing the best before and use by labeling. Um, those dates can lead to more food waste. And approximately 10% of food that is wasted is linked to date, date marking. So food labels are intended to help you understand the composition and added ingredients to your food. This happens only in processed foods, of course. This information is fundamental in letting you know what you're putting in your body when eating processed foods. This reminds me of um, vinegar. When I was a kid, vinegar did not have an expiration date. Um, now, if you look at white vinegar, it the label says that it expires in 12 months, which is absurd. Um, it's absurd. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I, I should, I don't know if I should confess it here, but I have experimented with eating foods far, far beyond yeah, um, their labels. And in fact, I, I once um, tried yogurt that was a year past its label and it was perfectly fine. Not encouraging that for other people to try, but or I can't pasta. say that. Pasta yeah. doesn't go bad. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, um, you know, the food labels are just one of many things that are competing for your attention. And, um, and we need information to be able to take control of our own health. So um, you know, we need to read those labels as a better consumer, knowing what information there is useful, but also as Yolanda just brilliantly explained, explained, just using our own human intuition to smell the food, touch the food, look at the food and know whether or not it's good for us to put in our bodies. Our senses, right? Mm -hmm. Use the senses. We, we are in disconnection with that. We'll talk about that in next week, the next episode about this connection. But <laughs> for now, <laughs> connection with our food system is particularly important at a time when health of our planet is in such a great risk. And talking about let this, let me share with you that this coming Monday, June 18th, we will celebrate Sustainable Gastronomy Day. Gaston Gaston <laughs> Gastronomy is sometimes called the art of food and often refers to local foods and cuisines. Gastronomy is a cultural expression related to the natural and cultural diversity of the world. Sustainable gastronomy means cuisine that considers where the ingredients come from, how the food is grown, how it gets to the markets, and eventually to our plates. Eating and cooking sustainable means being conscious of the resources and the fragility of nature. Through sustainable gastronomy, we preserve culture, culinary traditions, and indigenous knowledge. Sustainable gastronomy can be continued into the future without being detrimental to our environmental environment or health. So switching to a sustainable diet is one of the many things that you can use do uh, as a tool for social and environmental change. By buying something that was grown close to home, you also helped to boost your local economy and care for the community and the environment. I love this idea of sustainable gastronomy. Gastronomy is not a word that most of us use in our everyday vocabulary, but it connotes such a, like, a rich enjoyment that there's flavor, pleasure slowing down. Um, in, sometimes if we talk about sustainable food or responsible eating, it sounds like a bit of a chore, um, but sustainable gastronomy sounds like, you know, it, it reminds us that these foods can be really pleasurable and often far, far better than, than processed foods. Exactly, um, yes. 
<laughs> so there are, are no simple solutions to food waste and loss, food waste and loss, but um, but sustainable gastronomy does have uh, a role to play in reducing this problem and preserving biodiversity and ecosystems. So let us celebrate Sustainable Gastronomy Day as a reminder that social and environmental change can come from food systems change. And talking about change and adaptation, there is a new term that caught my eye. I was reading something, and it's plant forward. And this term means um, a style of cooking and eating that emphasizes and celebrates, but is not limited to, foods from plant sources in accordance with evidence-based principles of health and sustainability. Foods from plant sources are, of course, fruit, vegetable, whole grains, legumes, nuts, and seeds, and of course, herbs and spices. The plant-forward approach intends to deliver both personal and planetary health through a wide range of menu choices. It's not just one thing, it's a wide range. Studies show that by transitioning to a plant-based diet, around 11 million early deaths would be averted, averted every year, which accounts for around 20% reduction from the current adult mortality rate. I had not heard that phrase plant forward before, but I like that. I mean, it, it's, uh, it's what our moms told us, eat your vegetables. Um, yeah, exactly. Uh, that, that's the way to do it. Uh, so it's clear that what we put on our plates has a major impact on our health and on the environment and eating more healthfully and more sustainably go hand in hand. So the message here is that you can develop sustainable eating practices, or shall we say sustainable gastronomy that improve your own health, while also benefiting the health of the planet. Um, you know, these diets are intended to be flexible enough to accommodate individual situations, traditions, dietary preferences, and environmental challenges. I know I personally have some food sensitivities that, yeah. um, that affect the way I eat. Um, but in, in a plant-forward diet, animal products are minimized but not excluded, so there's a range of products for everyone. So during the soil episode, I guess that was a few weeks ago, Jimena, you and Lorenzo um, talked about how we're beginning to understand that cattle can help us restore soils in places like the prairies of North America where bison roamed for, uh, for hundreds of thousands of years. Um, so practices like regenerative ranching are changing those conventional agricultural practices to imitate those natural um, systems. And um, this new approach really values that the production of cattle as part of the ecosystem and stimulates the regeneration of healthy soils. So if you are going to eat beef or other animal products, buying those from regenerative ranches, even directly from the rancher, these will allow these innovative practices to flourish, to continue to grow and, and heal more of our soils. So we just have to understand that our planet can't support um, millions of meat eaters eating the kind of unsustainable products that come out of um, confined animal feeding operations because we just don't have the capacity. Yeah, that's true. And of course, it's reasonable that if you've grown accustomed to having animal products and meats on your plate, uh, such a change may seem discouraging. But as Jennifer just explained, you don't have to completely cut them out. However, <laughs> I'm going to give you some food for thought. It takes around 2.6 pounds of plant protein and around 500, uh, 500 gallons of water to put one individual serving of beef on your table, around 8 to 10 ounces. And to give you some per perspective, that amount of plant protein could easily feed 24 people and all that water could fill 10 bathtubs. Now, if you're decided to switch to a plant-based diet, but you're not quite, quite sure 
where to start, here are three recommendations I could give you to cutting back animal protein while keeping your meals filling, flavorful, but also nutritious. So one, make your first dish a huge salad that will make you satisfied before you start eating the second course. Two, if the flavor is what drives you, try any of the meat substitutes like Impossible and Beyond. Their goal is to make plant-based products taste like real meat. And three, use oyster mushrooms or other types of mushrooms um, in stews, for example. Uh, they have, besides having an incredible healing properties uh, from phytochemicals, which are anti-inflammatory and they do prevent cancer, mushrooms' texture and flavor can pass as shredded meat. It also helps if you visualize your plate like half should be filled with fruits and vegetables and half with um, whole grains or legumes, and just include a handful of seeds or nuts. And you can make animal-based protein foods just a garnish on your plate. You can do that also. Oh, all good suggestions. Love starting with a big salad. Um, and people around the world are already exploring other concepts. Uh, mindful eating is a big one that incorporates our psychology and the way our digestive systems work. Um, people are also talking about blue diets rooted in the ocean, um, as well as the sustainable agricultural practices that have been discussed here on this show. And the FAO is already, um, is already suggesting that countries that do have dietary guidelines should start incorporating sustainability into those guidelines. Yeah, very interesting. Uh, so each one of us has a powerful role. Think about this. You make decisions about what to eat every day, at least three times per day. And with this, you also have the power to decide what goes to waste. Those decisions account for more than 1,000 meals a year. Even if you decide to make just sustainable, a couple of those meals, you're making a huge impact on your health and the health of a planet. And if you happen to live with others and you can influence them too, the impact for good would be greater. For example, if you buy and cook for three people, which is my case, or three more people, we're four, uh, you could make sustainable choices around 4,400 times every year. A better future for humanity will come if we set the goal of higher nutrition content and less food waste. So we are already approaching the end of our episode. So we'll do a quick recap. I will do a quick recap of five facts that we reviewed. One, food loss and waste occurs along the entire food production spectrum from farms to distribution to each of us. Two, food loss occurs before the food reaches the consumer. So waste refers to food that is fit for consumption, but consciously discarded at the retailer consumption phases. Three, on a global scale, a third of food produced is thrown away. Um, four, uneaten food decomposes and rots and releases greenhouse gases, which are harmful to the, to the climate. And five, unsustainable patterns of production and consumption are the root causes of our triple planetary crisis. Yeah. So what are the things you can do? One, learn how to cook and store food properly. And also, when is food no longer safe and edible? Use your senses. If you have a consistent rate of waste food, cook smaller portions. Use leftovers and adapt recipes. Compost your food waste. Purchase locally grown and seasonal products and consider buying misshapen products, ugly, ugly products, and also uh, frozen foods. Uh, as it results in 47% less house, uh, household food waste than fresh foods. 
when storing remote passively aging products because it can emit gases that speed ripening of other products, freeze vegetable scraps and use them to make vegetable stock. Um, if the transition to a plant-based diet is difficult, try including meat substitutes like Impossible and Beyond. Cut back on your animal products, um, and in case you want them, buy them from regenerative farms. And the most important thing to keep in mind, be mindful of regarding wasting your food. Uh, so I'm so excited about next week's conversation, uh, this communication in the communication, this disconnection in the communication era. Thank you, Jennifer. Thank you, Yolanda. The impact of food waste is something that concerns us all. And thank you for tuning in and joining us in conversations about health and the future in Healthy Planet, Healthy You. Thank you very much. Nos vemos la próxima semana. We hope you join us next week. Bye-bye for now. Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of Healthy Planet, Healthy You with Jimena Yanez and Lorenzo Rosenzweig. We hope you've learned something new today that can help you in your life and how to make this a better planet. Until next time, have a healthy and regenerative week. 